Good morning. Uh, the scripture reading is John 11, uh, verses 1 through 27. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sisters Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother, was La- whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, Let us go to Judea again. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are going there, and you are going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day... He does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Thanks, Taylor. So, as Taylor just read, we have this situation that arises, and it's friends of Jesus. It's, uh, the, the scriptures tell us repeatedly that these were people that he loved, was Mary, Martha, and their brother, Lazarus. And um, so, Lazarus gets very ill, and so Mary and Martha send word to Jesus. I mean, why wouldn't you, right? Like, this, this is Jesus, the healer, the one that had been walking around, healing blind people, heal, healing lame people. And here they are with someone that needs healing. And so, of course, they call for their friend. We see here in the onset that Jesus has a certainty that everything is going to be okay. He says... This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So Jesus has absolute, absolute confidence that this is going to turn out okay. That this is going to turn out with Lazarus alive. He, he has absolute, they're, they're, in this story we're going to see a lot of people that are uncertain about the situation None of them are Jesus. So remember that as you see the actions that Jesus does, be sure and realize 
realize that he knows how it's going to turn out and that it's going to turn out okay. This morning we want to look at the faith and the belief of people. So we're not even actually getting to the to the great resurrection of Lazarus. We're getting uh, we're going to look at the people's belief leading up to that moment. What I, what I want us to look at, I'm, I'm not one to force alliteration in my sermons, but if the alliteration comes, I don't fight against it either. So we're going to look at the precarious belief, we're going to look at pessimistic belief, we're going to look at persistent belief, and we're going to look at preserving belief. And the main idea this morning is though the strength and the certainty of our faith may fluctuate, the object of our faith, which is Christ, never dies it's sure and so the first thing i want to look at is the precarious belief of his disciples it says now jesus loved martha and her sister and lazarus so when he heard that lazarus was ill he stayed two days longer in the place where he was so before we get to the disciples faith i want to examine this statement it seems inconsistent right jesus loved these people and so what does he do? He takes his time. He waits a couple more days before he goes to the rescue. Now, I talked to, uh, uh, to a, a fireman this week, and I asked them, I said, so from the time the bell rings to the time you have to be headed out in the truck, how much time, what's the time limit there? And Will, Sylvie told me, you try to do it in two minutes. Two minutes from the alarm being suited up and on the truck. Why? Because you're the means. You are the only means that somebody with a burning house has. So you respond in service and love to go and put that fire out as fast as possible. But here we see Jesus waits. He waits two days. You know, if you're looking in the in the outside, if you're looking in from the outside, that, that doesn't look loving at all. He is the means by which this, this friend can be healed, and he just waits. But we know a couple things from the text. We know, first of all, that Jesus loves them. Okay? He said, it's said repeatedly. So just because it looks like Christ isn't in a hurry doesn't mean he doesn't love this family. And we know that Jesus, from the onset, knows that if he waits two days, if he waits ten days, he knows what's going to happen and he knows that it's going to be okay and that it's going to bring him glory. He tarries two days not because he desires to do less for his friends, but because his desire is to do more for them, to, to do a work that they, po they can't possibly imagine. Really his greatest, if you really want to break it down, really his greatest work yet. If Jesus tarries in rescuing you from your agony, know that, know that it's never out of a lack of love. It's because he's doing something different than what you would want him to do. He's going to be sufficient for you in a way that you want to avoid, but he's going to do it. He's going to, in the end, bring joy to your life, even if he tarries for a while. And so here's when we see the reluctance of the disciples. Starting with verse 7, we see the disciples are, are having trouble 
seeing past the immediate consequences of returning back to Judea. If you remember, we were just in Judea last week, and they had to kind of get out of town, get out of Dodge quick, because they were ready to kill him. And we've seen this actually in Judea just keep happening. Like every time he goes back there, the people get a little madder. Uh, they get a little madder, and they get a little madder. And, and so I think the disciples at this point are like, hey, it's, it's gotten really bad. They're really, really mad at you, Jesus. And so I think the odds are against us if we head back to Judea. And so listen to Christ's response to, the, to their apprehension. He says this in verse 9. Are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. So what, what in the world does that mean? Like, why does he start talking about the day, and you do stuff in the day, and, and you don't stumble? And after studying it, I think it's simple. I mean, Jesus is talking about, He's living in a world where, man, when darkness comes, it's dark, right? There are no street lights. There are no lights in your house. And so you got 12 hours in the day in biblical times to get things done. If you wait, then you're gonna, it's going to be dark and you're going to stumble. You're not going to be able to get your stuff done. So you need to do it when you have light. And so his point is that, hey, we're walking in the light, guys. That there is a work that I'm about to do with Lazarus that, that I've been given by the Father. And because of that, we walk in the light. We will not stumble. We will not go and be put to death, at least not yet, in Judea. And so he's just, he has this confidence. It's like what Whitfield said. He said, we are immortal until our work on earth is done. We're immortal until our work is done. Jesus knew this is one of those works that he had been given by the Father, and he knew if he went back, he was going to survive, that it was going to be okay as, as his Father had preserved his life time and time again. After, it says in verse 11, After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he meant taking a rest in sleep. So Jesus says, he's asleep. And they go, great, we don't have to go now. He's getting better. He's going to take a nap. He's going to wake up. The fever will be broken. Everything's okay. We don't, we don't have to, to go now. We don't have to put our lives in danger. But Jesus said, no, I didn't mean, I didn't mean to sleep taking a nap. I mean asleep in death. And so here's what he says in verse 14. He says, and for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So there, here Jesus alludes to the greater work of God that he's doing. He, these disciples, their faith is it's still precarious, right? We're going to know, we know that one day after the resurrection, their faith is going to be strong. In fact, so strong it says, that they were turning the world upside down. We're going to have men with, that, that were denying Christ before the resurrection, after the Christ, or after the resurrection, be bold in proclaiming the gospel. 
But that's not where they're at yet. Their faith is, at this point, it's weak. It needs some growth. And Jesus is saying here, hey, I'm glad that this is how this is going because you guys need to grow your faith a little bit. You need to see a man rise from the dead. You need to see something that is going to strengthen your weak faith. Folks, it's, it's okay to have a precarious faith. It's not okay to stay there. Don't, don't be ashamed of your faith and run from Christ, but run to Christ that he may strengthen and grow your faith. That is his, that is his desire. His desire is that you grow your faith and he has the means to grow your faith. And so run to Christ and trust in him. But beyond the disciples in general, we, uh, besides the disciples in general, we get an interesting comment from one disciple in particular. We see the pessimistic belief of Thomas. And this is a rare interaction with Thomas. Um, how do we know Thomas? He is the doubting disciple. He's doubting Thomas. Poor guy, he asked for just proof one time in his life. And he gets labeled with that for all of existence. And we only have, really have three scriptural recordings of Thomas speaking, and, and they're all found here in the Gospel of John. In John 14, 5, when Jesus is speaking about going to heaven, uh, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? I mean, that's not bad, right? That's a question. Hey, you, you're telling us about this wonderful place, but... How are we going to get there? How do, we, how do we know where you're going? Then, of course, that moment that he is most known for and what earned him his infamous nickname in John 20, verse 25, he says, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger in the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. And then Jesus obliges him with all of that, and he responds so appropriately my Lord and my God. Folks, Thomas is not some secondary villain of the story just because he asked for proof one time. I, had, uh, I was at a men's meeting one time and the guy was preaching on the wonderful disciple John that Jesus loved. And he got, he, he got to the cross and he was saying, look, John's at the foot of the cross, so where are all the other disciples and he said, they're over here, and they're listening to, to Thomas. And Thomas is telling them, I told y'all he wasn't the Christ. And I'm like, where's that in the text? I mean, John one time expresses doubt, and he's saddled with some villain in the disciple story. He was a pessimist. It was hard. He, he had trouble, like many of you and, and me, we, he had trouble believing when something was so wonderful and so beautiful. It can't be true. I need some proof. And look what he does in this text. Verse 16, So Thomas called the twins, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. So-called doubting Thomas really shows an amazing faithfulness here because he's really, again, he's struggling that this, this is all going to work out because he says, Hey, Jesus is going down, but you know what? I'm going down with him. Man, 
just an amazing picture of faithfulness. You know, the strength of our faith is far less consequential than the object of our faith. Thomas was with the disciples in believing that going back to Judea meant certain death, but that didn't matter because he would be with Christ. He had he had the weak faith of the disciples, but he also had that object of faith in Christ. I'll go where you go, even if it means certain death. And hopefully we can kind of cast aside that, that, that one moment of doubt and, and realize that, that Thomas was a man who struggled, a pessimistic man, who didn't always believe it would work out, but he kept the object of his faith, what it needed to be. Christian, there is no failure in the struggling to believe as long as we do in the end believe. Don't beat yourself up because your faith is not as far advanced as you would have it. But make sure that that faith, <clears throat> however weak, is set on Christ. It's set on belief in Him and you will have a faith that grows. And third, we have the persistent belief of Martha. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. There seems to, to be in Martha's words here a mixture of, of hurt and of belief. On one hand, Martha had plan A. And plan A was this, is that Jesus, immediately when he heard that her, his bro her brother was sick, would come running, would come into the room, would touch her brother, and instantly he would be healed. That was plan A. That was what Martha was really hanging her hopes on. I mean, after all, when you, when you have a friend that heals all these strangers, then surely that friend's going to come and heal your brother that he loves. But Jesus bypasses plan A when he waits two more days to come. So this plan that Martha had it wasn't going to come to fruition. He would die. However, she still persists in her faith. She does not accuse or question Jesus' love. She just simply acknowledges, hey, but I still believe. Plan A didn't work out, but I still believe that whatever you ask of the Father, you're going to get. God does not always operate step by step according to our plans. Jesus, from, this, from the beginning of this crisis, knows the outcome will be life for Lazarus and joy for the sisters, but how he gets there isn't exactly what the sisters first wanted. They desire healing, but he desires resurrection. They desire a miracle that brings their brother back. Jesus desires a miracle that will seal him in so many people's eyes as absolutely the Son of God. 
I think of Ecclesiastes 7.13 here. It says, consider the work of God who can make straight, who can make straight what he has made crooked. Jesus is going to bring joy, but in his purposes, there will be four days of mourning. There will be four days of tears, of agony, of having lost Lazarus before he would come to show himself sufficient. Folks, Jesus doesn't always work for us plan A. He doesn't always work plan B. He doesn't even always work plan C, D, or F. He will not always heal and he will not always resurrect what has died. But in his plans, if we will continue to believe and to trust him, he is working out joy for all of eternity that we can't possibly imagine with our plan A, B, C, D, or E, whatever. But he's doing a work. He's doing his work. And he tells us that that will lead to satisfaction in him and so it's good to have faith like Martha's that just keeps pursuing Christ even it seems like maybe he's let him down he hasn't let him down and she keeps pursuing him we see the preserving belief of all who trust Christ this is what Jesus said to her your brother will rise again Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. So, Jesus says, look, Martha, he's going to rise again. And she thinks that, I know the resurrection and the people who believe in God, they're going to be resurrected. So, like even Martha, even though she's got this persistent faith, she's still having trouble believing that really a four-day death can be undone. And so she's already kind of bypassed this initial hope that, that Christ can do something spectacular and we'll, we'll, I'll just look forward to the resurrection at the end of days. And so Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. I love that, that term, I'm the resurrection of the life. Hey, I'm, Jesus is saying, hey, I'm not the giver of re- the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. There is no resurrection. There is no life apart from me because I am it. And then he says, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? He asked Martha. Those who believe Christ do, do not ex- escape death, at least not the short-term effects of death. It is appointed to every man once to die. Death happens to the righteous and it happens to the unrighteous. There is nothing wrong at all with crying at a funeral. Even if it's someone you know trusted Christ and, and mourning the, the separation of the loss because death, death is an intruder, right? Death is an intruder because of sin. And it's hard. 
But Jesus says here that though you may die, yet you will live. For the believer, death is not ultimate. Life is ultimate. But what what must we believe to receive that resurrection life? Well, we see, see it in Martha's confession, she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. No matter the the condition or strength of your faith, the most important question is, 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 what do we believe? Or more important, who do we believe in? Martha shows us that the belief that brings resurrection life to all of us is believing that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of God. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that? If you can say with confidence, I believe that, I believe in Jesus as the Son of God, then you, though you will die, you will live. Our faith fluctuates from day to day, week to week. Sometimes it is precarious, sometimes it's pessimistic, And sometimes we may get it right and it's persistent. But the object of our faith is sure. The subject of our faith is the resurrection and the the life and all who place, the the object of our faith is the resurrection and the life and all who place their faith on him will never die. Do you you? Do you live that life that that believes and trusts in the supremacy of God? Is he really the object of your faith where everything in your faith, in in your life, revolves around him? He is supreme. He is the object of everything that you believe in. Do you have a, a sense of urgency in global gospel missions? Folks, the world is full of dead people. People that are spiritually dead. And yet those of us who believe, who who believe in the life and the resurrection of Christ, we have life for them. We have the source. We have the source of life for dead people. Do you have an urgency in, in going to people and declaring to them, the wonderful gospel that brings life. I'm going to ask our musicians to come and we're going to sing a a hymn of invitation and just ask that you would respond to, to God however he has spoken to you through his word this morning. Please stand and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, God, thank you for our faith. God, sometimes it's not as strong as we would like it to be. God, we pray that you would grow our faith, that you would every day uh, through circumstances and through getting to know you more, that, that our faith would be strengthened. It would be persistent like Martha's faith. But God, more than anything else, help us and the object of our faith. God, help us to keep Christ at the center and help us to trust in Him and to 
to find our confidence and and source of joy in him. God, help us to, to live lives that show that he is supreme to us. God, help us to be urgent in our desire to give life, your resurrection life, to people who so desperately need it. In Jesus' name I pray.